Over the next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to the elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our body. We are not a church with elders, we are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. Here is what we are asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. Please read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. If you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick up one at the information desk in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the Qualifications of an Elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 11. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the process of recognizing new elders. Finally, we thank Scott Thompson and Roger Hill for their years of faithful service as elders. They have represented you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, please thank these gentlemen for their faithful service. On another note, a few of the buildings on our Rogers campus need some attention. The Family Center was completed in 1991. The Worship Center and Foyer were completed in 1999. That's a quarter of a century. The elders have approved moving forward with much needed improvements to those buildings. The cost is estimated to be approximately $4.5 million. We don't want to go into debt for this project and we have proven on initiatives of much larger scale that we can get this done if all our congregations work together. My wife Denise and I will be setting up monthly recurring gifts to do our part and I hope you will too. No gift is too large or too small. And remember, it's not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. On the giving page of our website, you will find capital improvements. You can make a contribution there or set up recurring gifts. We already have $1.3 million in donations, so we are well on our way. God continues to do great things through Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. Thank you for playing an active role in this great ministry. God bless you, everyone. Well, good evening, Mosaic. Hey, would you guys stand with us and let, let us worship the God who gives us peace this evening? We're heaven's spawn creations, His bride and adoration, treasures woven by His love. His careful hands, they hold.
faithful Lord. Hey, would you guys be seated and welcome up Matt Natesel Chorus. Well, good evening, Mosaic. I'm going to invite the families on up because tonight is our parent-child dedication. I'm, I'm Matt and I work with the kids team here. And uh, tonight is, again, that, that dedication ceremony where we're setting the parents and the children before the Lord and asking him to stay with them for their lifetime. So it's a good crew, a fun fun crew with a lot of fun little sweet faces, isn't it? Well, uh, this is a group of families that are at the early end of the parenting journey. And I know looking out here, we've, we've got a broad swath of what it means to be a parent here. Some of you have graduated kids and you're, you're excited for them to come home again for the first time since you emptied your nest. They're coming home for Thanksgiving. Or, or some of you are doing a tour of duty again that something happened in one of your kids' lives and you're, you're raising grandkids and you're parenting them through this next phase again. It's a big deal. Um, some of you are single and you're parenting either your own kids or kids from a previous relationship. Maybe you're, you're grieving infertility or child loss. Whatever it is, we are a body gathered together tonight to celebrate with these families where they find themselves together tonight. And so can we, uh, the parents have recorded prayers for their little ones. As these, as these uh, prayers roll, would you pray the same with them over these kiddos? Let's, let's listen to what the parents are praying. Evelyn. We are so thankful for the gift of being your parents. We are excited to watch you grow and explore the world. It is our deepest prayer that you would come to know and love Jesus with all of your heart. We ask that God would give us wisdom to come alongside and disciple you as he transforms you into a faithful woman of God. We love you so much, Evie. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Coleman Keith, we love your gentle grins and sweet spirit. It brings us heartfelt joy to raise you and call you our boy. Today we join hands with our church body to lovingly support you on our lifelong journey with Christ. Just as you graciously give smile after smile away to us, may you know how deeply the Father is smiling down on you. Asher, you are a true gift to our family. Your laughter and smile light up our home, and we all love you dearly. We pray that you and Shepard and Henry will go, grow strong friendships, and you will be each other's biggest supporters throughout your lives. And we pray that you will grow into a man who loves the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you will love those around you like Jesus. We love you, Asher. Oliver, our prayer is that you will find security in our love for you and God's love for you. We pray that the peace of God is evident in your life. We pray that you would walk closely with God and know him as your savior and your friend. May you keep in step with the spirit. Pretty fun. It's fun to watch them. They always go, oh, I see the baby up there. That's awesome. It's one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. Uh, so let's, uh, I want to do a prayer now over the parents. And I'm indebted to language coming out of uh, every moment holy. There's a prayer in there uh, for the changing of diapers. And so just, it's a, an appropriate prayer for this season. So would you pray over the parents with me here? Father, whether it's changing diapers or consoling tears or challenging defiance or cultivating humility, 
We pray that these parents would remember this truth. Their unseen labors are not lost, for it's these repeated acts of small sacrifice that, like like bright, ragged patches, are slowly being sewn into a quilt of loving kindness that swaddles these children. In each moment of serving and loving, remind them that they are tending a budding heart that, rooted early in such grace-filled devotion, might one day be more readily inclined to bow to your compassionate conviction, knowing itself then as both a receptacle and a reservoir of heavenly grace, as these parents themselves are. May your nearness carry them along in each of the 10,000 acts by which they are actively creating a culture of compassionate service and selfless love to shape the lives of their family, these beloved children, and your church. Amen. And I turn to you all now as well. You're going to be, uh, I know some of the, y'all are family, but those that are not, you're going to be uh, the greeters in the foyer. You're going to be host homes for them one of these days. You're going to be kind people that sit two rows back and smile when the kids turn around and peek over the rows. You are going to be an expression of church to them. And so with that in mind, I'm borrowing from the same prayer as I, I commit and pray with you the following. Uh, open our eyes that we might see this in any act for what it is from the fixed vantage of eternity, O Lord. How the changing of a diaper might sit upstream of the changing of a heart, and how the changing of a heart might sit upstream of the changing of the world. Please, Lord, may it be so. Amen. One last picture while they're up here and they're still, everybody's in a great mood. This is a good one, y'all. Way to go. Everybody's happy. That's good. All right, so one last picture, and then uh, they're going to have a seat, and we're going to talk one more thing, all right? So thanks, y'all. Love you guys. Hey, good job. Bennett, way done. Parker, way to go. (laughs) Gotcha. Oh, sorry, I missed you. There you go. Good nooks. I missed you. My bad. All right, so the last one, then, is... It's Christmas. Well, it's almost Christmas. I'm, I'm a curmudgeon that normally waits till after Thanksgiving, but uh, it doesn't fall that way to me tonight. So I get to announce that we are, despite still not yet being at Thanksgiving, we're looking at the Christmas or the Advent season fast approaching. So a couple things I wanted to put in front of you. Um, Advent is just the season where we are anticipating the coming of Christ. It's a word that literally means coming. And so it's just this anticipation of, hey, we celebrate Christmas morning, your first coming, but we're actually waiting for your second coming. So uh, we've produced, we've actually updated, so it's brand new this year. If you already have one uh, from previous years, you're welcome to grab a new one. It's a a family Advent devotional guide, and so it's going to be a little experience every night to lead you through um, just this time of building anticipation for Christmas morn and really building anticipation for Jesus' coming again. Uh, if, If you're not a young family and you're just intrigued by resources that really hit you in the simple place of your heart, grab one too. It's not a big deal. It'll be in the foyer. I still got to set it up, but it'll be out there after service so you can come find us as you leave. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to point at is uh, our, our Advent devotionals that come for the, the adults, and they're normally delivered through the email, or you can get them on the website, or there's even a podcast that you can subscribe to and listen to the feed. If you've gotten those in the past, you're still signed up probably. If you didn't unsubscribe, and so you should be getting those. But if not, you can text that number up on the screen there, 282-2406, and say Devos, and, or hashtag Devos, and it'll send it back. Uh, or you can jump on the website, and that Advent site is going to have lots of other resources as well that you might need for this season. So wanted to put that in front of you guys. Uh, but since we're not even yet through Thanksgiving, 
I'm not, I, don't know, I don't know why I looked at you. I know that you are the communications person, and I'm, that was bad. Sorry. She's, she's great. She's not mad at me for doing this. Thanksgiving is a wonderful time, and I have deep gratitude for both this stage full of little healthy families growing and, and, and a deep gratitude for you guys and, and the joys and the griefs we walked through together this year and also just for God's generosity in over and over and over again. And so I wanted to pray our offering prayer again tonight as we continue in worship and song. So would you pray our offering prayer with me? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion For all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your Son and your Spirit. I look to 
worship you together tonight, Lord. We love you. We pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds to your word as we hear the teaching that is being presented to us tonight, Lord. I just pray that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would move, and that we would hear what you want us to hear, Lord, that you would be glorified, and that um, we would walk out the things that we hear today as we go about our daily lives this next week. Um, We thank you for your love. We thank you that we can run to you. You are our strength and our shield. And thank you for being our rock, Lord. We love you. Um, help us to love you more and more each day. It's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the word. My name is Evan Crawford, and I have been attending fellowship since I was a teenager. I serve on worship teams across most of our congregations, but I'm especially grateful to be with my Mosaic Forever family tonight. Our scripture passage is Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We've heard the word spoken and now we have the invitation to experience it through singing. And I'd like to teach you a song that I wrote on this passage during the very anxious days of the 2020 pandemic. During that time, I learned again how the word is alive and comforts in many different ways. And so I invite you to join me as you catch on. So we rejoice, rejoice, rejoice.
Well, thank you, my friend. As soon as I heard the, uh, the song, the music that God gave our sister to uh, put to tonight's passage, uh, I knew she was supposed to sing it. And thank goodness she didn't quench the Holy Spirit and say no. <laughs> thank you, Reverend. Well, hey, good evening, friends. Um, about two and a half months ago, we started our study on what many call the greatest book on joy or letter on joy in the whole New Testament. And that's Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And um, so tonight in chapter four, we, we begin it last week with uh, the teaching that God gave Will to share with us. And tonight we're going to look at verses six to nine. But the verses for tonight start in the paragraph uh, that starts in verses four and five. So let's begin tonight by going back to verse four. And, and Paul says, <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. I would say again, rejoice. And that's what we've just sang about. First Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. The Bible talks a lot about rejoicing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things. Now, let me make a point here. The Bible, we don't sure not thank God for everything. I can't thank God for my seven cancer surgeries. I can't thank God for the fact that I don't have a tongue and most food in a restaurant I can't eat. I don't thank God that I buried, uh, I'm so excited I could bury four immediate family members in four years. Things happen, losses happen, problems happen. But I can thank God that in those situations, I was very aware that he was present. I can thank God that he can't not be faithful because he is a promise keeper. And it's so easy for us as humans to allow our circumstances to determine our reality. Does that make sense? And um, so Paul talks about this tonight. He goes on, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And, and the word gentleness in the Greek does not mean just like being gentle, but it really is a Christ-likeness. Paul's saying be patient and kind and forgiving and, and listen. And the list goes on and on. Be, in a sense, Christ-like to all. And we can rejoice, going back to verse 4. Why? Because the Lord is near. Again, he can't not be near. He can't leave us. He can't forsake us. Even when I do some really messed up stuff, even when I lose my temper, I get impatient, I worry, I become critical, I think my view is the correct view. I know that never happens to you, but that does happen to me sometimes. Even during those times when it seems like I, I, I've forgotten everything he's taught me, He's near. He's present. So that sets up verse 6, okay? You ready? Verse 6a, do not be anxious about anything. Isn't that great? Don't worry about anything. Because, well, Paul says don't worry. So don't worry about uh, where you're going to eat tonight <clears throat> or how much it's going to cost or if you're going to like it. Uh, or about what you have to get to the store before you go home so you don't get in trouble because you forgot. Not that you would ever get in trouble, but some people get in trouble because they forget things. 
And, uh, oh, and your to-do list tomorrow. Don't even worry about that. And um, if your kids are having some issues, don't, don't worry about it. And if you've not been feeling good, don't, don't worry about it. Because as Paul says, don't worry, right? <laughs> well, he does, and then he goes on to unpack what that looks like. Worry is a combination of two words, divide and mind. And many of you are going to learn more about worry tonight than you've ever known before, okay? Because worry is a major tool Satan uses to distract us, to distort us, to divide us, to diminish us. Worry divides our emotions. It it, it divides our feelings. Worry divides our understanding. All worry ever does is confuses us. A lot of you know my background as a theologian and a Bible student, but I'm also a, a clinical psychologist. So I've had to study a lot about worry. I've spent thousands of hours working with folks whose diagnosis was anxiety disorder. So worry divides our perception. It divides our discernment. The more you and I worry, the harder it is to make the best decision. Well, what if, well, but, but what if, well, yeah, but it's, and once we start doing that, we just get more and more confused, and we set up the evil one to distract us even more and more. But I'll just say that. And worry divides our decision-making ability. I've worked with some folks, some brilliant folks, successful folks, wealthy folks, folks high up the food chain of, of, of national corporations, folks in, who, who were in uh, the top 10 of, of, of our nation's companies who almost lost their jobs. A couple had to be hospitalized because of the impact of anxiety on their lives. You see, worry takes us to what-if land. And again, our what-ifs are almost always negative. I've never had anyone come and say, Doc, I, boy, I don't know, know what to do, but I've been having these what-ifs. What if God's trustworthy? And what if things work out good? And, and, and what if God keeps his promises? And uh, we never have positive what-ifs. Our what-ifs are always negative. You've had what-ifs today. You probably had some what-ifs on your way to service here tonight. You'll probably have some what-ifs on your way home. I'm traveling a lot the next two months. And boy, there are what-ifs about flights. And I've, I, I, I've sat on runways for three hours. And I've had flights arrive late and spend the night in one city. And have to, I, I mean, what-ifs. And the adversary loves what-ifs. And once the what-ifs come in our mind, it's easy to run down this what-if path or that what-if path. And the more we go down the what-if path, more negative stuff comes in. And it gets worse and worse. Am I making sense? Okay, most of you are are, are nodding. Maybe some of you are dozing off, but I, I think, okay, okay. Yeah, worry takes us to what if land. People in our country spend, this is a fact, over $15 billion a year on meditating anxiety-related issues. Not M-million, but B-billion. 
So anxiety is a major, major problem. So what is worry? Um, well, uh, I, I kind of put together over the years of what I call my slippery slope of worry, okay? It starts with concern, and, and concern's fine. I'm concerned about my, my, my sharing this isn't nice. Uh, I have tons of stuff I could share. I have a, a two and a half hour workshop just on anxiety. And I have a 30 minutes here tonight. So God, what can I share? Uh, there are all kinds of things to be concerned about. Concern leads to action. Concern leads to our doing something. But concern can move so quickly into worry. And worry means we go down that negative brick road. What if, what if? What if? And the longer we worry, that leads to anxiety. And that means it becomes a major part of our lives. And I've, again, worked with folks who, who were anxious and worrying hours and hours and hours a day. And anxiety over time leads to fear. And fear is where we kind of back off. Baba says, fear not. And, 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 and Paul says, don't, don't be anxious. We will have anxiety. We will have concerns. We will have fear. And fear, if we allow it, will lead to emotional paralysis, panic disorders, and actual physical ailments. Worry is in our mind. It affects our physical health, our mental health, our relationships, our walk with the Lord. Anxiety, worry impacts every area of our lives. Just like that. That's how powerful it can be. So how does worry work? Um, boy, uh, a number of years ago, God led me to this passage in, in, in Numbers. So back in the Old Testament. And, and okay, we have the children of Israel. They've left Egypt. They, they've, they, they, they've crossed the Red Sea. And they've been wandering around. And now they're at the edge of the promised land. Many of you know this story. And so they're on the edge of the promised land, and they pick one guy from each of the 12 tribes. 12 guys go into the promised land, okay? 12 guys come out, and they were spies. And their job was to spy out the promised land. So <clears throat> when they return, so they've, they've come back from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. They came to Moses and Aaron and all the people, and uh, they brought back word to them, and to all the congregation, they showed them the fruit of the land. The land was rich in food and was a great land. They said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. But they make an observation, verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The descendants of Anak were a tall, large people. Now, as best we can tell, the average height for folks back then, certainly uh, what we know about Jewish folks, was about 5'5", five, five. okay? 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. So you could be 6'4", and be referred to as a giant, just to give you guys a context. Yeah, observation is what God said was going to be. But boy, there are big cities and big people there. 
And boys, they begin to be upset and worried. And then Caleb, verse 7, cried to the folks, hey, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. It's what God's told us to do. We should obey him and trust him, for we will surely overcome it. Then in verse 31, they move from observation to a negative interpretation. Uh, but the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Mm. They made this negative interpretation an, an assumption. They're too strong for us. And they move from interpretation to exaggeration. And this is what happens with us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land. The land to which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Hmm. Twelve men came in, twelve men came out, nobody got devoured, but it devours their inhabitants. Man, I'm already worried. Uh, and the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. No, there was a, a tribe, of, a group of folks who were men of great size, but most were just normal heights. So observation can lead to a negative interpretation, lead to exaggeration, and then it leads to what I call the grasshopper complex. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. Whose sight did they become like grasshoppers in? Their sight, yeah. And that's what anxiety and fear and worry does to us. It impacts how we view and how we do reality. And sometimes our anxiety and our what-if lands becomes more important than everything God has said, than whatever we've experienced in our life. Because what if? What if? What if? Wow. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. I don't have time to go on, but, but, but let me move to verse 14, verse 1 real quick. Then all the congregation, all of the Israelites, lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And basically, it's hopeless, it's helpless. We have, we, we, we have to go back to Egypt. There were only two of the 12 spies who believed God. And those are the two, after wandering for 40 years, went into the promised land. Hmm. Concern leads to worry, worry to anxiety, anxiety, fear. That leads to all kinds of other problems. So we have an observation, interpretation, exaggeration. Have you made any negative interpretations of anything this past week? Uh, have you assumed the worst about anything? Not that you shouldn't plan for what if might happen, yeah. Um, and have you by any chance let that negative kind of keep you from moving ahead or, or, or did you take that negative concern to God? Did you talk to some friends about it? Did you pray about it? It took me a long time to learn how to do that. Um, 40 years in the wilderness. Hmm. So, how do we decrease our worry? How can we deal with worry? Well, well, Paul very thoughtfully moves into that. Verse 6b, 
the second part of verse 6. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. By prayer and petition, means just talk with God out loud about it. Share your concerns. Say, God, I, I don't know what the heck's going on. But, but what, what if this happens? And sometimes it helps to, to write it down, to actually be able to see it, to take, and the Bible talks about this, take every thought captive. And one thing that helps me and so many of my clients is to sometimes just take our thoughts captive. And then look at them. And then the question becomes, might God have anything to say about this? Might, might I have moved to a negative interpretation? Is there anything in my what if that might be an exaggeration? And um, am I allowing myself to become a grasshopper? I have, I probably will in the future, and that's a problem, and that's why, again, anxiety is over a $15 billion a year meditation industry because of the power of assuming the worst, the power of jumping to conclusions, the power of allowing our negative assumptions to kind of take over. The problem is not that we have them, my friends. The problem is what do we do with them? Does this make any sense? So if you have anxiety, you're normal. If you don't have anxiety, you're probably taking a controlled substance you were not prescribed. I'm just saying, I'm not judging, but and that's not a good thing, okay? Anxiety happens. Part of being human is that we will have worry and anxiety. Okay, Paul continues. <clears throat> but in everything, in every situation, present your request to God. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, he says, this is talking to and with God. And early on in my life, I was great at talking to God. I had my shopping list to God, but I didn't know much about talking with God. And talking with God sometimes means being still and waiting and listening. And maybe reading through a song and uh, just sitting with it. And maybe you sit for five minutes and don't hear God say anything. That's okay. You can't wait with him and not have some conscious or unconscious benefit. Sometimes, quote, unquote, wasting time with God. And by wasting time, I mean, we're not aware that we're getting something. You see, being with him is not just getting something, but it's obeying him. They that wait upon the Lord over time, will renew their strengths. They'll over time mount up as wings as eagles. And one thing that got me through all my dark times, what got me through crying so many tears that my tears dried up, <laughs> and I kept on crying, of dealing with losses that still hurt. One thing that helped me through that was in the midst of that, I kept on reminding myself of who I am because of whose I am. And thanking God that although I'm not aware of your presence right now, I don't see you doing a cotton-picking thing, God. 
I talk kind of bluntly with God, okay? That's why I'm uh, not a real pastor, you know. Um, and, um, but God, I know you're faithful. I know you have no choice. I know you can't not keep your word. And I know sometimes you take your jolly good time. But that, again, is a growth opportunity for me and for us. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You see, we have so many blessings, but the nature of our fallen human nature is to focus on what we, what we don't have. Verse seven, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding regards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which we can't always put into words. In the midst of our storm, he'll guard our hearts and our minds. Now, in verse 8, and, and by the way, I, I could take a half hour and just unpack that verse, but they'll pull me off the platform. So, uh, verse 8, finally, brethren and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything excellent or worthy of praise, let your minds well rest, abide on these things. That's what we need to fill our minds with. The Amplified Translation, the last part says, think continually on these things. Set these things in your mind. Center your mind on them. Implant them in your heart. And guys, that's where time just in the Word. Just maybe reading a psalm two or three times and uh, looking for a word. I, boy, I, I, I've read Psalm 1. Well, I've read the book of Psalms well over a thousand times, but there are certain Psalms that I've read 15, 20 times. And sometimes a word will pop out. And it's like, I'll have a sense of God, thank you. Because that would be a word that would apply to my situation. Yeah. Hmm. Think about, focus on, let your mind dwell on, ponder, meditate, sit with. It takes time. The time we spend with God is never wasted. It can't be. Verse 9. Oh, we're at the end. Wow. Okay. I, I really get to the end just quickly. Um, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Wow, great passage, huh? Um, verse 9, I remember reading that a number of years ago, and, and, and I went back over this passage, and, and, and God gave me, but what's been helpful for me, I want to share it with you, uh, six faith choices that are in these verses. Are you ready? Uh, faith choice number one, pause. Man, if you're starting to feel overwhelmed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're being attacked by the what-ifs, Pause. Turn the radio off, or turn the TV off, or go in your room or, or your office. Just pause. Faith choice number two is in verse four, okay? Praise, give thanks, count your blessings, name them one by one. As you know, I don't have, have a tongue. And uh, I was told after being three days on, on the ventilator and 10 hour surgeries and 
ICUs, I, I would never speak again. I'd have a feeding tube the rest of my life. Well, I kind of speak. I sound like Elmer Fudd, but I, I, I kind of speak, okay? I don't have to have a feeding tube. And um, I can't eat most food in the restaurant, but I can eat some things. I have a choice. Focus on what I don't have or focus on what I do have. Most of you walked in here tonight. Well, that's no big deal. Well, some people can't walk. Most of you um, had something to eat for breakfast and maybe for lunch. You got here, I assume, by a car. Most of us have some place to go home to tonight. Now, maybe your car is not as nice as somebody else's or as fast. Or maybe your home isn't one of the fancier places in, in Bentonville where the more important people live. Okay, the ones that God loves more than like most of us, okay? Okay, and maybe people have nicer clothes than you do, but that's not the point. My needs have been met. Your needs are being met. And Satan loves us to focus on what we don't have rather than giving thanks for what we do have. Remember that him count your blessings, name them one by one? Boy, I've spent over the years hours doing that. So, yeah, pause, praise. Tonight before you go to bed, are there some things you've not thanked God for in a long time? Maybe that you have a tongue. Maybe that you can talk. Maybe that you're ambulatory. Thank goodness we're all clothes. <laughs> so none of us are that poor. Um, faith choice number three, pray. Share with him. Think out loud. Open our hearts. And I talk to God very candidly, okay? Because he's my friend. He's a brother. He's family. That's what the Bible says about those of us who have a relationship with him. Pause, praise, pray. And what happens is that it impacts our perspective. I choose my perspective. God doesn't say ignore your problems. That's stupid. But what we can do with our problems is, if this is a problem, it's not, but we put our problems here and go, wow, I have the biggest problem in the world. Huh, what would I do? No, it's, it's a problem, but it's not the biggest problem in the world. There's hope. God's faithful. It may take some time. It may take some time. God can't not keep his word. Yeah. So pause, praise, pray, perspective, and then verse 9, practice. And um, boy, the word practice, when I think of practice, I think of Nike. You know the, the Nike motto, just do it? Just do it. You know, he's hearing about probably 10 minutes or so. And... Uh, Great worship, great worship, hopefully a helpful message. And, um, but you'll get in your car and you'll go somewhere and you'll do something. And, and hopefully you're inspired and encouraged tonight. But what's maybe one way you can just do it? What's one thing God said to you tonight, either through the worship or through what God allowed me to share? I can say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. 
And I'm going to practice this one thing, this one thing. For much of my life, I left services with a lot of good information, and I thank God for that, but I didn't have much that I could actually apply it. And the word doesn't make a big difference if we don't do it. It's not about being hearers, it's about being appliers. Because that says, God, I trust you, I believe you. Faith choice number six, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind to be with you. Guys, I'm still learning how to live in a life, a world packed with anxiety. But I found the more that I pause and praise and pray and choose my perspective, don't ignore the problems, but choose my perspective and practice, just do it, the more peace I have. Because he can't not be faithful. As I increasingly become aware of the closeness of God in every situation, I experience more of his peace. Well, so now what? Well, so now what? I'm going to invite our friend, Evan, um, to come up. And, and, and would you share um, what God gave you from this passage one more time with us? So we rejoice, 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 continually rejoice, 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 continually rejoice. Joe. 
Here are a couple of very short thoughts. What might be one way this week that I can apply just one thing that the Holy Spirit said to me about me in tonight's passage? For example, what's one thing that I can rejoice for? As you leave here tonight, go home. Is there one thing that you just might want to say, God, thank you for? One thing, rejoice. What's one anxiety that I'm going to choose to hand over to him? And I've in the past had some anxieties. I had to hand over to him 50 times a day, seriously, because Satan's faithful. Anxieties keep on coming back. They keep on coming back. And so when it comes back, okay, thank you for the reminder that I can trust him. Yeah, but what if, oh, thank you for the reminder that I can trust him. We keep on giving it back to him. Yeah, it's that simple. It becomes a habit of trusting and believing and doing it. What's one thing that God might have said to me tonight that I would choose to claim and actually apply this week? How might I just do it? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and I'm just going to give you a a very short time to talk to him and just say, God, with your help, um, here's one way that um, that I think I might be able to apply one of the things that you've shared tonight. Thank you, God, that I can trust you. Thank you, God, that you can't not be faithful. Thank you that you are a promise keeper and not just a promise maker. And thank you, God, that you delight in blessing your people. And we bring this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
stand and sing this with us? Oh, God, be my everything. I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. vision and everything that we do this week when we're tempted to be anxious and when we're tempted to look at every reason why we can't and why the odds are against us and why we can't overcome our circumstances. May we remember where our help comes from. Our help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. Thank you for being our king and our God and our savior. We love you and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you run, can you take a seat real quick? I want to have just a quick conversation and update you all on some things as they scramble to reset this mic that was set up for Kristen's lovely voice to now be ready for my loud and in-your-face voice. Good job, Michael, being right on that. Hey, I want to tell you all about uh, some things that are going on. Kyle, where are you? Kyle, come on up here. Hey, um, a couple of weeks ago, Kyle 
sat down with me in my office and, uh, and said that he had reached a point, we've been praying about this for several months, where he felt like it was time for him to step off of church staff here at Mosaic. And uh, he's been praying about it for a few months now and um, asked him if he wanted to speak tonight. He's like, nope, I don't have a chance. So I'm just going to let him stand here and look lovely. Um, but I want to tell you all a little bit about why that is and what's going on, because oftentimes when people step off of church staffs, um, it almost always means bad news, like something's going wrong, right? And one of the reasons we want to address it is nothing's going wrong here. Everything's actually going right. Um, Kyle is a man who has served with integrity and faith for five years now on staff at Fellowship and then years at other churches before that. It's what he's done the whole time. Yeah, he's, he's really served incredibly faithfully. And he reached a point with his growing family, the, the Meredith and two lovely kids you got to see earlier, where they just felt like it was time for something new in their vocation. Hey, how many of you in your 20s, including those currently in your 20s, had a vocation shift at some point where you realized, oh, this thing I've been doing is not exactly what God made me to do? And so this is actually a really common thing. And he came and said, hey, I love this church. I believe in this church enough that I think it's time for me to step off and pursue something else and hand that over. And so I actually think that shows great integrity and great love of the church of God that he's willing to do so. Um, and so I'm really just thankful, Kyle. I'm thankful for the way you've led so well. And so going forward, I wanna, I wanna think about this in two ways. One, what does it mean for Mosaic? And then two, what does it mean for Kyle and Meredith and the Jacksons? Um, as I've talked to people this week about this transition, people have asked me, Nick, are you nervous about Mosaic's future? The church is what we preach that it is, a mosaic of people who know about their brokenness before Jesus, who are being brought together to discover that they matter to God so that one will get the glory. Then what that means is we together are the church that gives praise, and Jesus is not going to stop being praised. He said, if we don't do it, the rocks are going to cry out. So if this is Jesus's church, then it doesn't belong to Kyle and it doesn't belong to me. So I, I'm not worried because when I look at this church, I see a really healthy, healthy church that I'm excited to be a part of. So I think that we together have enough faith in the Lord and relational connection with each other to, to keep following the Lord together with a little bit of change. I think we can handle that. We've done change before. We know how to do it, right? So I'm not worried from that perspective. I'm also not worried because one of the things that Kyle has modeled well is sharing leadership. In fact, tonight, we were led in worship without a single staff member on stage. Because what he's done is he said, hey, I wanna get the people of the church involved in leading the church, which means we have a lot of faithful people ready to continue leading us going forward. So I think Mosaic's in a really great place, and I'm actually really excited to see what God has for us going forward in our worship gathering and the people he's gonna provide to keep leading us into the presence of God, to celebrate and to rejoice, to rejoice, I'll say it again, to rejoice. We're gonna keep being a rejoicing church who celebrates the Lord. I have no doubt about that. What does that mean for Kyle? What it means for Kyle is he's looking for a next chapter. He and his family are bravely stepping forward, looking for a new vocation, new line of work, and, and seeing what the Lord has for them. And so I wanna encourage you all just to pray for them. Pray for direction, for guidance. Um, you know, sometimes I'm tempted to get up here and make a lot of promises about this is what Kyle, we don't know yet. We don't know what's next for Kyle. And so what I would say is give him the grace and the space to figure that out a little bit and be praying for their family, that God will provide the right next steps for them. So if it's all right with you, I'm gonna say a prayer for the Jacksons right now. Lord, we love you. I thank you for Kyle, for Meredith, for Graham, and for Oliver, and just what a, what a blessing their family is to our church family. Thank you for what faithful friends they are. 
Thank you for what empathetic and compassionate listeners they are. And thank you for the so many nights here at Fellowship Mosaic that they have led us to praise you. And right now, I just want to pray your blessing over their family. I want to pray your blessing over Kyle for great wisdom and discernment on the gifts and the ways you've wired him and how he can put his hands to work doing something good so that he can bless you, his family, and the people around him. And Lord, I pray for this body. I pray that we will remember over and over again that we are your church, that we exist to honor and to glorify you and to love the people around us, to grow and continually know Jesus and make him known in everything we do. We love you, Lord. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you would like someone to pray with you, a few of us will be up at the front, would love to do so. And if you're new, we'd love to connect with you. There's a booth out in the middle in the, in the foyer with people that would love to connect with you and get to know you and help you know how you can become a part of our church family. Fellowship Mosaic, we love you so much and are so thankful to worship with you. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.